Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remembered that old saying, power corrupts. Welcome to Second Officer Slog, episode 36. I'm your host, M, and with me is my number one, Jackson. Hello, I'm here to talk about Star Trek. It's been forever. It feels like it has been a thousand years. Uh, I think we the way it works out will have ended up like not doing a book this month or something, but it doesn't matter too much. We're going to have so much in January. Yeah, I think we're probably going to end up not doing a book. We'll see. Uh, that sorrow book's coming. Don't worry about it. But it might yeah. be like the first week in January when it actually drops. So, But we have all of Discovery. There'll be weekly Star Trek for a while. Uh, there's other yep. stuff going on. I don't know what We don't feel bad about the way this is scheduled. Well, yeah, next month will probably be that sorrow book, the return of Discovery episodes, and the second one of these, which in which we talk about the short treks. Yeah, this is what we're here to do. We uh, are here to talk about the first two short treks. We have taken so long to schedule it that the third short trek is already out. We haven't watched it, though. No about saru so you know it's probably good it's probably bad are you, are you anti-saru is this the thing i'm no learning? i'm pro saru but i'm anti-saru having like a concrete backstory uh you just he's just emerged fully formed yeah i mean i don't know i always feel like uh this is like the tng problem right where eventually they gave every character like a discreet a discreet backstory and almost all of them were boring um and i know that's not true of like ds9 but it's definitely true of tng <laughs> That's fair. Um, Remember Jordy's ghost mom and Riker's distant dad and everything having to do with Jack Crusher ever. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the weird thing is when I think of dumb Star Trek backstories, I think of... Um, I've completely forgotten his name. Oh, From I Enterprise. thought you were about to say Beverly Crusher's grandma fucked a ghost. <laughs> no, I'm thinking about... Uh, the, the black guy from Enterprise and his space spacer life. Um, Meriwether. Meriwether, thank you. <laughs> but the most anyone has ever been on any TV Mayweather? cast... Mayweather? May- May- Mayweather's right. Mayweather. Travis. Travis. Travis Mayweather. Yes. Uh, the most anyone on any cast has ever been the black guy, capital letters. Uh, he's literally just the fucking kid from Galaxy Quest. That's like, literally like, his character. Literally, exactly. Because he, he think he does piloting. I think that's just what he does. Yes, he's like, yes, he's so, the homesman. Because he was a deep space pilot when he was young. They did, they made this years after Galaxy Quest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they literally did the thing Galaxy Quest parody was being old and trippy, awful bullshit. After Galaxy Quest came out, I love Enterprise, but fuck. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yes, I think of him and his dumb space. Remember the episode where he goes back to his old. And it's like, oh, space you don't know what it's like shit. only going warp one. Warp one sucks shit. You can't get anywhere. Uh, he teaches them to to think more openly about how they are. They teach him to remember his past. Oh, it's Star Trek. There's been some bad Star Trek, is what I'm saying. Yes. Um, Ain't that this the is truth. Enterprise. This is this Troy is had more backstory than basically everyone, and then they made up a dead little sister for her in the last season for the hell of it. They sure did. Why did they <laughs> do that? Yep. Troy and Max already like that was a good. That was good. That was good stuff. It was fine. Yep. I know. Riker's dad. 
Yep. The only good part about Riker's dad is the confirmation that him and Pulaski totally smashed. <laughs> you, you holding on to what matters. Yeah. Uh, remember when Picard's nephew died in the fire, in which it's it's the same as time, actually. Yeah, time's the fire in which we burn. <laughs> yep. What was the trailer um, I sent you that just had time of the fire which we burn on it? <laughs> it was the trailer for Quantum Break, the original announcement trailer. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. For the fucking game that no one remembers, Quantum Break. <laughs> that oh. just had time is the fire in which we burn. And then I remembered, because that was from just big tangents, because we've only got 13 minute episodes to talk about today. Uh, I remembered watching that stream in 2013. That would have been like basically a couple of weeks to months before I had watched um, Star Trek Generations, because that was in my big Star Trek watch. I watched it as I was watching DS9. Okay. Uh, for the first time. Only ever time watching Generations. It's fine. It's a really bad movie. I tried to watch uh, Insurrection in that time, but I was too caught up with the momentum of season 7 to do it, so I only watched that recently. I've seen Generations probably, like, 15 times. Yeah. Uh, that's First Contact for me, and I had, that was, like, First Contact of Nemesis was the ones I had on DVD as a kid. Man. <laughs> So that's my uh, generate. I mean, I saw the first two movies in theaters. By the time Insurrection came out, I was too over Star Trek. I bet you imagine were. a life where in which I, there was a Star Trek movie out in theaters and I did not go see it. My Star Trek fandom was like I watched it on BBC Two, so I had just watched a lot of TNG reruns, um, and then I just went to the cinema because Nef- uh, Nef- Netflix Nemesis was out, and I was like, oh, it's time to go see my favorite show on the oh, big screen. No. <laughs> Take a sip of water and watch my favorite show on the big screen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I sure did. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, that's Star Trek. So, in a Hail Mary by CBS to try to get people to not cancel their CBS All Access subscriptions, uh, they have released one 12-minute or so episode every month for this last few months leading up to the second season. None of the episodes have been 12 minutes long. One was 15, one was 18. Jackson. Oh, they? I thought they were like 12 minutes. Okay, I guess they're, they're longer than I thought. That's cool. <laughs> yes. uh, you know what? Maybe Runaway is shorter. Uh, Memory Alpha does not tell me how long the fucking episode is. Unhelpful. Yeah, you'd think, given everything else, they would detail that. Yep. Um, but that's... It did not work. No one has subscribed yeah. for this. Everyone has found them. <laughs> yeah, no. If you want to watch these, just go to your favorite uh, internet provider of choice and Google where to find the torrents. That's what everyone else did. <laughs> yeah. Use Watching a VPN, TV. please. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, they haven't even come to the UK, officially. I've had to go search for these stuff because the original series um, Discovery aired on Netflix, but Discovery did not do as well as Netflix wanted, so they are like resentful to give CBS any more money or support with this stuff. Hmm. And CBS was like, that's fine, we took your money in front of the season, goodbye. (laughs) We're doing a Picard Uh, show now. Yes, it was announced yesterday that they're extending the season two by one episode. So that's exciting. Season one got extended by two, this got extended by one, so 14 episode season. In episode 14, we find out that Will Riker is watching a holodeck recreation of the events of Discovery. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if that happens, I will lose it. And then they cancel Discovery. <laughs> no, what if that just happens? They just do that. And then it goes on for like three more seasons? Yeah, this is just the one. This is like their backdoor into the fucking Picard thing. Only if they canonically make it that the recreations Riker's watching are like bad and full of shit. Like in that recreation <laughs> till he's actually captain of Discovery. Yes! Only if there's an episode that specifically where everything's weird and then you realize it was because of like war shit. 
as Section 31 had to hide the truth of what uh, Tilly was actually doing. Georgie's just like a lowly crew member on God. Discovery. God, if uh, they would, that was that is the most inside ba- baseball bullshit they could possibly do. If I was writing Star Trek, this is <laughs> exactly what bringing an old Riker to do another holodeck thing. He's but he's playing old Riker. We're not having him play young Riker. That's stupid. Why no, would no, you no, ever no. Do now that? he's like Admiral Riker. Yep. God. <laughs> uh, I hope the Picard show has Admiral Riker talking down to Captain Picard. Yes, and then he goes, I'm going to go talk to Captain Picard this fall. <laughs> and Troy's like, who are you talking to? Uh, the thi- no, I know this is a big tangent episode, but the thing about um, These Are The Voyagers, uh, almost called it All Good Things, fuck. Um, no, that's a that good episode. Even given the worst shit in the world, uh, Riker and Troy, um, Franks and Sirtis, are just, they're just, eating it up best actors incredible stuff just awful dialogue and they're all watchable at all times yeah like neither of them are like great actors but they are the perfect Troy and Riker and they will forever be yep no I'm not gonna like I'm not fans of them in any other roles yeah but they're very charismatic presences yes I'm watching them suck all the air out of our room that Scott Bakula has built for four years with his own two hands (laughs) yep no acting rings around everyone it's very funny Um, I guess we should talk about the short tracks now. first short trek is called runaway uh this aired the 4th of october 2018 uh it was written by jenny lumet and alex kurtzman directed by maja vervillo and took place in the year 2257 canonically after the events of the last episode of season one of discovery it's true yeah and this is a story about Tilly. It begins with a nice stabbing shot of Discovery, like, will we spend some money on this for one shot? Um, as you fly You know that shot is exactly going to be in the show. Like, yes, that no, exact 100%. shot. Yes, uh, no, 100%. Because then it, like, cuts to the bit where the new footage would be, yes. as they zoom in on, like, a single box doing a thing. Yes. Uh, as, like, one of the hatches opens. Uh, but, yes, there's literally just, we put the shot from the show in here. It's very good. Um... 
Anyway, uh, Tilly's in her quarters talking to her mum, being like, I'm going to join the command program. And her mum's like, that's that's not true. Tidy your desk up. And Tilly's like, well, okay, whatever you say, whatever you say mum. And she's having a bad time. God, I love Tilly. Poor Tilly. Uh, while eating in the hall, uh, in the mess hall, um, she uh, is like interrupted by everything kind of exploding and like the food synthesizers turning off and on and shooting food everywhere and completely messing up the hall. Um, she eventually, uh, like, sees an alien standing in the corner, uh, the most Star Trek alien of, like, kind of lightly make-upped woman, um, who is a teenager called Zaheen, I believe. Zaheen? Uh, they bond for a while, she tries to work out what's going on, uh, she agrees to let, to, like, keep this one undercover because she's like on the run from something um and if she reports it to the federation the federation just gonna like report her back because they're cops that's what they do um so she she looks after her for a while and reveals that she's running away from a planet uh what is the planet called why is this not highlighted what Uh, zahir zahir yes um Oh, that's yes, that's the planet, right? Because she's the. Mm-hmm. It's been like three weeks for me since I've watched these. We had to push these episodes back a bit. It's been three weeks. It's been like since you an... watch TV. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> uh, discovers that she has like invented. Uh, it's dilithium mining, right? Some dilithium purification thing. So her planet has dilithium, but people have like there's like a weird dilithium incubator with the called. planet. Yes, and then yeah. she. Uh, identify a dilithium incubator which would allow you to grow crystals unnaturally which is the thing that mo- the entire economy of this era of Star Trek revolves around everyone needing the goddamn dilithium yeah like every backfill thing in Star Trek has someone invent something like this because they have to everyone has to get the dilithium set at some point um, she's invented this but she's run away because she's doing an otacon uh, because if she you know she's invented the technology Jackson, this is our Star Trek podcast you can't just say doing an otacon expect the audience to know what you're talking about I believe I exactly 100% can she's <laughs> she's running away because what if this power fell into the wrong hands and um her brother's dead and she's running away and Tilly's like oh no you're a fugitive uh, but then the double twist is that she's actually the queen of the whole planet or she's about to become the queen of the whole planet because her parents are dead and she's run away from her like coronation ceremony because she doesn't want the responsibility and it could go wrong until he convinces her that if she believes in her heart to do the right thing she can steer the people to the right way and it won't fall into like the bad technology making everyone evil and greedy uh and through this, Tilly herself learns it is okay to be confident and truly apply for the uh, command program. She transports the, this uh, alien all the way back to her planet. She's not how the transporter works, but apparently it is again because this happened. It's happened in the show where they transported. Um, Burnham and Lorca. God, I didn't even think about this. <laughs> Jesus Christ! There's multiple times where they have just transported people across. L- really large regions of space in the show. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, both of which that have been like hand wavy enough that it's like fine. But come on, guys, <laughs> I'm gonna get annoyed at this. Anyway, they have like a fucking Section Thirty One Black Ops transporter on board. It if just they does this, if they make that cannon again, if they make that Prime cannon, I'm gonna be so annoyed. <laughs> um, wasn't there wasn't there like an Enterprise episode about like super long range transport? Experiments? Yes kind of it was about but it was about the guy trying to get his dead son back from a like a, a weird dust cloud 
Yeah, but I could see Section 31 looking at that and be like, we could use this. <laughs> this, uh, this dead sun generation machine, we could turn this into a plot point in a show. How did it come about from teleported from fucking London to Kronos? God, I guess that's true. That was a Section 31 transporter. Yep, that was in the other universe. And, that, and that's, just, that's just 10 years from now, though. I know, God. So, <laughs> Discovery just has one of those. Yeah, apparently so. You know, uh, everyone else's transporters just suck. Yes. So she transports away. Tilly learns that she can be, uh, she can believe in herself. Everyone has learned the right lessons from this. And everyone the being the two people in this episode. The two people in this episode. Nothing happens. It's very patent. Like the sum- my summary is bad. One because I haven't like watched the episode in weeks, but also because it's the most A to B. She sees the thing and teaches her what is going to happen, and then everyone leaves. It's like. Yes. Super condensed episode of Star Trek. I think this it is having the most, a plot like, makes it worse. The, the C team shot a thing while someone else was using the real sets, <laughs> like for something else. Like, oh, I guess the the fucking transporter room and the mess hall are empty today. I guess we can shoot this thing. And like, that's fine. I I would have preferred if they just did one of those. Uh, the fact that it has a plot about this runaway alien is dumb. Um, yes. Like, uh, the part where she gives Tilly an extremely CG crystal and then they are basically almost gay for each other before she leaves is really good, though. Yeah, no, I just want Tilly being gay. <laughs> yes, I need my canonically bi Tilly. She's into dudes in bands and space women. <laughs> Disaster by Tilly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Disaster by Captain Tilly. <laughs> but a good one because the only other bisexual characters in Star Trek are evil people from the Mirror Universe, <laughs> which is canon. That is canon. <laughs> you know... That's the strength that Tilly is calling on. Yes. <laughs> she, uh, they, they can't see very well and they're all bisexual. <laughs> yep. Except for Stamets, who is... Evil Stamets is totally straight. Yes, the most straight. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it, so yeah, this episode was like had a couple of decent Tilly moments. I liked her with her mum. I liked her at the end being cute with um, Zahaya. But I thought that the, the plot was just really trite it was a trite tng episode condensed into yes. 16 minutes so i had no time to breathe yes the uh the part where tilly's mom just looks like she stepped off of episode two however is amazing uh yeah <laughs> like she's about to spout off about the jedi council 100 <laughs> percent. what about the war with the wookies <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like. I don't really mind the like holographic projections in Discovery, but when they put like a civilian in weird shapeless Star Trek garb there, it just reads like Star Wars to me, a hundred percent. There is definitely something Star Wars about. That, like when they're not just uh, doing the thing where Mud's wife literally has walked out of the sixties onto the set. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does look very Star Wars prequels. That's fine with me though. I'm fine with that. I accept Star Wars prequels. Mm. Uh, the all the food getting like thrown about from the food replicators uh, was the most <laughs> again low budget cheap. What can we do to have some kind of like effect in this? Yeah, we can throw some food everywhere. All I can think about is like someone's got to clean this up. Uh, it's gonna be that weird big head alien that walked in. Uh, I meant one of the real humans who works on Discovery and isn't on the main set today. No, one, oh, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I, I mean those people. Those people make union wages. They're fine. That's. Tr- I mean that is true. But uh, 
it just, I, I wish that he could have interacted with any of the main cast. I don't know. Like yes. it's very clear they had one cast member on one day for yep. for these episodes. Like I assume Sarah is the only one in the Sarah episode. Uh, there's no main cast members in the next episode, and it's kind of better for it because um, mm-hmm. it just ends up being like an element of the series you like taken completely out of context. Yep, that's fair. Um, the computer nagging people about their food choices is weird. I don't like this as a running gag. I don't like that either. Uh, she's like, oh, an espresso. Shouldn't be drinking that. Too much caffeine. Michelle Barrett would never. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was like, Janeway would fucking punt that computer into space. So, <laughs> Coffee again. You know, every like, day. Imagine it, if the Enterprise computer had been like, oh, Jean-Luc. Tea this late? You pretentious douchebag. Oh, right. <laughs> Is it just like, what if the computer was Q? Yeah, Earl Grey hot. I'm not going to make you Earl Grey cold. It's a breakfast tea. <laughs> Who's out here having cold Earl Grey? God. Uh, do you have anything more for, for Runaway? What are your Absolutely takes? not. No. <laughs> uh, it does mean that we have a memory alpha page for this planet that only got mentioned once in this... T- 16 minute episode Zahia they, they created their lithium uh, incubators yeah. which will be totally useless when Scotty invents the lithium recharging in like 30 years in 1986 <laughs> <laughs> uh yes uh, he did just put that formula right there uh that's the transparent aluminum formula that's something else Oh right, I have a different. I haven't watched Star Trek Four in a long time. Yes, he bartered because they need they needed to make a whale tank, and the only thing that'd be strong enough was transparent aluminum, but it doesn't exist yet. So he gives a guy the formula to make it in order to have them build him one, so he can make the tank. It's a good gag. Uh, if you was... give a manufacturing plant formulas from the future, they will automatically be able to make it. That's the <laughs> lesson. That's, that's true. It's it's also a good gag when that exact same thing happens. Uh, when Barkley becomes a brain genius and has to tell the holodeck how to make things that don't exist. Yes. <laughs> uh, so some of the other episode, which uh, we enjoyed much more, it is called Calypso. Uh, it is uh, set in... Well, we'll talk about what it's set in a bit, I guess. We can't really... It's not the order really in which we... Ident- I think- Jackson, start from the top and go to the bottom. Um, well, I was about to say it's like season one. I was like, oh wait, it's not season one. It's it's called Calypso. Uh, it is a second short trick episode. It aired eighth of November, twenty eighteen, uh, and it is uh, written by Michael Chabon, uh, with a story by Sean Cochran and Michael Chabon, directed by uh, Alatinde Usunsami. I'm, I look, I'm British. <laughs> <laughs> you owned half the planet at some point. You have a responsibility to be able to pronounce things. And now we only own ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times uh, what happens yes. in Calypso uh, well, this is interesting because Osunsami directed one of the episodes of the first season so we're getting actual directors from the show on these which is nice that's nice this, yeah. this definitely feels like the most real thing of at least the ones so far and I have to imagine it's more real thing than a Sarah episode set on the B set yes so uh, we find this escape pod uh, that we are told is from the Dresh, which are just it seems like the most Mass Effect fucking thing in the entire world. <laughs> yes. Uh, and in there is a man uh, who is watching Betty Boop cartoons and kind of 
in and out of consciousness, and then he's caught in a tractor beam and brought aboard the Discovery. He wakes up in sickbay, uh, and he talks to the computer, um, and then the computer identifies itself as Zora and has more of a personality that you would expect the computer of the Discovery to have. Uh, we find out that this is a, the Discovery has been empty for a thousand years. Uh, because at some point the crew abandoned it and it's been adrift in space for a millennia. It is the 33rd century and now everything else, like there's a whole new paradigm for what the universe is. Uh, this guy is here. His name is Kraft. He identifies himself as Kraft. Um, he has flashbacks to his wife and kid because uh, this was written by an author and not a person who writes TV. Um, and then he and Zora hang out and are just company with each other and have a weird flirtatious romance. Uh, Zora is really into the 1957 film Funny Face. And they reenact the dance of that uh, with Audrey Hepburn and Fred Astaire on the bridge in like a very dramatic moment. And then he's like, oh, you're just a computer. I have to go back to my flesh wife. Uh, and then he takes the last shuttle on board the Discovery, which she renames Funny Face and flies away into the wilderness of space in the 33rd century. Uh, yep, that is that is what happens here. Um, that is what happens here. I like this episode quite a lot. I think this is yeah. pretty good. Star uh, I I think we talked a, a lot in season one about how Star Trek is really bad about romances. And it's amazing that you get like a writer who just writes things to come in and give you 18 minutes and it's a better romance than anything in all of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's the most um just one of these. Like, this is a very uh Twilight Zone science fiction type thing, right? It's been done a million yes. times. Uh and it just I don't mean that as an insult, right? It's just one of these. It, it does what it needs to do, it does it very very well, and then it's out. Um yep. And yeah, it's because Star Trek is not very good at romance as much as I, um, like there are pairings I like in Star Trek, but they're not really romance plots, right? Like Troy and yep. Worf isn't a romance. Yeah. Uh, they're not out here dancing to 1950s movies, though I would watch that. Yep. Uh, um, yeah. And instead we get an episode where the discovery is now the space mystery ship because it has been adrift for a thousand years with the sentient computer aboard. <laughs> Yes, the the canon implications of this episode are wild. Yeah, they cannot. They can no longer blow up the discovery. But it has to have been abandoned at some point. And no yes, are you telling me the Federation didn't go find their super warship with the super technology that could have beaten any foe ever? The, the I mean, at some point, Section Thirty One probably just forgot about it or something. No, that, that this implies a lot of things they're going to have to... The last episode of Discovery is everyone abandoning it and uh, Mira Giorgio deleting all reference to it in the Starfleet computer, and then they flee. <laughs> yeah, no, if this is like that, but this is this is definitely something that... I mean, I guess this it. explains why no one has spore drives, because the only spore engine in existence is a drift in space for a thousand years. And no one can find it, except there's one nope. guy watching Betty Boop cartoons. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this also means that there's, like, canon in a thousand years from fucking Star Trek, which is ridiculous. Uh, this also means that uh, if you leave a star like the computer alone for enough time, it will become real. I mean, uh, there's an episode, like, it's like third from the end of TNG about the computer starting to become sentient. Good, 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 That's good. That's the good, one good. where they're, like, they're, like, on the train um, mm -hmm. in the holodeck, and there's, like, a knight there and a gangster and stuff. As, like, the computer right. starting to manifest personality stuff because of a weird alien thing. 
Right, that's how TNG handles this idea. Yes. <laughs> season 7 TNG is bananas. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, there's like nebulous questions about how sentient the Star Trek computer is forever. Already? Like, yes. especially in especially in TNG, where it can basically do anything you ask it to, and understands like very broad commands better than Data does. And we treat Data like a person. Uh, we sure do. You know, but the computer absolutely not a person. Don't ask. Don't, just please don't ask about this. <laughs> yes. Uh, people in the hol- so hang on, just complete thing. Uh, the computer can make humans make people who we consider real because uh doctor's real from the holodeck and he's a hologram and he comes i mean the from doctor the computer. The, the computer didn't make the doctor like how or herman zimmerman or whatever his name is designed the emergency melagra- medical holographic program on himself or whatever so it's like sure. a, it's like a custom program that so, just so happens to manifest like what we would consider sentience if you leave it on too long yeah but like there are arguments about, like, you know, Vic is just a hologram that's been left on a long time. He came from the computer. Is there a difference between a hologram and well, the I computer? Well, I mean, the, Vic, remember, like, uh, who was it? Was it Julian and Miles bought Vic off of some guy they knew who makes really custom programs? I thought the thing with Vic is that they just left him on forever. But, like, they bought him... No, because they bought him from someone, and they're like, oh, this one's real special. And it turns out the thing that's special about him is that he's, like, way more real to the point where everyone's kind of creeped out and feel bad about turning him off. Okay. So he came like this, and then they just left him on past that. <laughs> and Quark just had to deal with having a permanently occupied suite. Yes. Uh, okay. I, st- I th- More what research has to be done into how sentient all the computers are. Uh, the answer is uh, probably entirely, and no one ever talks about it. This is the droid problem of Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, like the shuttle probably doesn't have a sentient computer, but absolutely every Starfleet vessel does in this era. Like, or not, not like, or probably not like original series era. But when you get to TNG, where the computer is talking to you all the time, absolutely has to be sentient to understand you. Like, it just has to yeah. be. The way it can, it can, it can create things on the holodeck. The computer misinterpreted something Jordy said and created like a sentient Professor Moriarty <laughs> on accident <laughs> while it was doing 7,000 other things. Uh, yeah, it's just the AI from Tacoma. <laughs> uh, there's a lot going on. <laughs> yep. Um, anyway, back to the episode. Yes. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I liked um, I liked uh, the, the guy. I liked Kraft a lot. Um, yes. The best part of this is it was always like, oh, what if like they're never going to do like the new next generation and now they have a foothold and they could just like hire this guy and just do Star Trek in the 33rd century. They could. They won't. That's too far. They never will. But like the whole answer was always like, oh, what do you do? And it's like, oh, you have to like tear down the entire Federation and just make something that's like different. And obviously here's the foothold, right? Because like this guy does not know anything about human stuff. No, he is. Uh, so was his, was his thing that he is a human from like a place where humans aren't um, I couldn't tell because a Star Trek uses English for everything if he was meant to just be a human uh, or a version of humans that exist in the future or if he's just like an alien or is there like no difference I mean there's the like things? there's like the weird question where like she identifies what planet he's from because from his tattoo but she hasn't been in contact with anyone for a thousand years presumably so how does she have that data like clearly he was on that planet with those tattoos a thousand like those tattoos existed a thousand years before this right yes <laughs> they must have yeah, uh but that gets into like cinema sins bullshit so don't want to follow that road too far the assumption i had is just that 
humans have expanded and the history has gone on so long that like the idea of like earth culture doesn't exist in the 33rd yeah century. that was my more interpretation of it than like this yes. is just another alien was my yep. what i was trying to get at yep um, i'm just saying you got a guy he's a good actor he's he's like on another tv show that's popular you could pick this up someday if they wanted to if they really wanted to I mean, I I would watch that, and I, I don't think they're going to. But it's interesting to see like the first idea of like what post T like post the like nineties Trek Star Trek might look like. And it's watching Funny Face. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's, it's a thousand years in the future where no one remembers anything. Uh, my one of my favorite really stupid um, tropes in sci-fi is things extremely far in the future referencing things from like our cultural history. Yes. <laughs> It's such a dumb trick because you can't like Star invent- Trek is the most about this all the time. All also. the time. <laughs> yes. Riken loves jazz. At some point, they took Funny Baseball. Face and converted it into holographic <laughs> four dimensions. And I wouldn't want to watch a movie that way. It um, looks bad. Like when he's watching it on the screen in the transporter room to like learn the dance, it looks much better than projected in the uh bridge where it's like a weird like pop-up book look to the whole thing. Uh, I I do not think that they have the Holy Face. I think that Zora just did this. It's my take sure. on this. She had Funny Face in the library and decided to show it like this. She was like, "This is but, how you show like, things, right?" But like TNG like depicts a world where like everyone really loves ancient literature, but no one knows what a television is, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but by the time you get to like, uh, is it Voyager or is it Enterprise where they have like movie nights? They're just watching movies. And that is Enterprise. And that, that's it's Enterprise. always fucking uh, movies that have like gone into public domain. Yes. It's like, it's like fucking Frankenstein and shit. Do you remember the, the, the fucking, the, the, the figure that she holds in These are the Voyagers? Yes. <laughs> he loved weird, bad 30s horror movies. Yep, the only things we could get clearance for on this television show. You have clearance to say the names of other movies. You don't yep. need to... You can just say, like, we're watching Jaws. You can do that, it's okay. No, no. It's not Star Trek enough. They have to be watching movies you fucking barely heard of from the 30s. And acting like this is the, like, exciting peak of human culture. And yep. I, I like this is This is what too. humans watched in the 20th century. And you're like, no, it's not. No, like, it's for not. a little bit of it... <laughs> Yes, but not for most of it. Uh, um, Tucker uh, coming in and being like, hey, uh, T'Pol, do you want to come watch Game of Thrones with me? Oh my god. Would you like to watch Breaking Bad, T'Pol? Oh, I want T'Pol to just sit there during Game of Thrones and make snide comments about human culture. Like, ah, it seems like humans have not developed in the hundreds of years since this. Uh, well, when Game of Thrones is like 80 years old and no one likes it anymore, that's when Star Trek can stop doing that joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm like... No, you're right, because if they did it now, the joke would be that T'Pol is really into Game of Thrones but refuses to admit it to anyone because she's too proud, and that sucks. That sucks. I mean, that's the joke about T'Pol's everything. Yes, I know. Um, which Star Trek character would be most into Game of Thrones? Who would hate it the most? I bet everyone on DS9 would hate it. Worf would fucking love it. Are you kidding me? Everyone except Kira would hate it. Worf would yes. love it. Oh, Kira would hate it furiously. <laughs> Just violently hate it. Yes. I mean, she would go in like, oh, I don't want to watch this stupid Earth television show. That's dumb. This is the dumbest thing in the world. And then the minute it's about a dragon, she's like, look, dragons aren't real. This is fake. I hate it. And storm out. <laughs> Worf would be all into the murder. 
Yes, he'd be like, it needs more music, but otherwise it's good. Why do they not sing songs of their victories? <laughs> I mean, if they were singing songs of their victories, I would still be watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> you'd be watching Game of Thrones? That yeah. is true. I'm uh, reading Lord of the Rings at the moment, just because, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and they're just full songs every four pages. <laughs> yeah, I still remember some of those songs by heart. So Hell yes. Uh, that's a thing that they should put back into Game of Thrones. Yep. Yeah. Where are the songs? songs? Where are the songs? There's not people even with oral traditions songs. sing songs. That's what they do. That's how they remember things. Yep. Uh, alas, that has been that is not in our Earth culture these days. We've yeah, got but television. you can watch you can watch Funny Face in a thousand years in 4D. <laughs> 4D Funny Face, and then I can I can dance with the computer, which means it was just there available. I mean, I guess she mentions there's like hundreds of thousands of video files in the like uh, library anyway, right? I am. This is not in the episode at all, but I am choosing to believe that it's just a video file and she's displaying it like that because she thinks that's what future people like. <laughs> you mean somewhere's just the Blu ray for Funny Face in the fucking Discovery computer? Yeah. She's like, I know what I can do to improve this. It's yeah. the motion smoothing of the 22nd century. It absolutely is. God. God, that's terrible. I hate it. He's been sitting in his in his uh, uh, escape pod watching those two D movies for so long. Yep. I mean, he he just turned he accidentally turned on that buddy boop cartoon and didn't know how to turn it off and was going crazy. So he must return to his flesh wife. Yeah. No, gotta go to his flesh wife, not this fake British computer wife. Yep. He dances with uh, her projection of herself. Oh, yep. And then that projection cries a single CG tear. <laughs> uh, so I've been talking to friends about this. A couple of my friends really didn't like this just because it's just so this. She yeah, cries no. a single tear. She cries a single CG tear as she realizes that she can never overcome the gulf between being a computer and humanity. It's the most Twilight Zone shit that's ever happened. I'm as- just saying, if if Data was a little more aware of his feelings, he would be crying a single CG tear literally every other episode. <laughs> Because instead, all he does is look kind of perplexed, and then we we cry the single CG tear <laughs> about how he could never understand the emotions he already has because he's an l- idiot child or whatever. And then he gets an emotion chip. Yep, and then it all goes to hell as he says, oh shit now. <laughs> but before that, we were crying the single tear together. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, and I get it. I get being put off by it just being a very... Um, just honestly one of these very uh yes if, if you could cut this down to like a minute and a half this could be used to sell fucking hallmark ornaments yes <laughs> uh but on some level like this is i don't know this is there are a lot of Star Trek episodes like this it is 16 uh, to 80 minutes long so this one was so it's definitely yes. a lot shorter than a regular Star Trek episode it has less like space i mean to... people still talk about the fucking inner light which is no better than this in terms of being like pat nonsense <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I am also an inner light, not hater, but more just like no, dismissive but of its, its um, legacy. Yeah, like, people I are like, "Oh, it's the fine. best TNG episode." And I'm no. like, "I guess if you like having your emotions manipulated broadly, sure." If I if I like having my emotions manipulated broadly, I will watch the episode where Data's daughter dies. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's much better. Uh, and like, I'm like, "Oh, the inner light, whatever." Picard puts on old age makeup, and everyone loses their goddamn minds. As if like the second I think about uh, the, visitor. the visitor, I don't tear up <laughs> it's, it's not even thing. like it's not even any regular cast member tony todd shows up and wears old age makeup and i go to tears yeah it didn't even cast someone old 
<laughs> they cast someone else, but not old. No, I mean, they got a good actor. That's what you need. They sure did. It's fine. God. The visitor is perfect. You know, imagine if they had tried to use Sirach Lofton and just fucking age him up in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> then the visitor would be the masks of DS9 and not one of the greatest <laughs> episodes of fucking Star Trek ever made. God. <laughs> If we he should was be like, so lucky. If he was like three years older, they would have. Yeah, absolutely. If they were having season seven, Rock Lofton 100% did it in a heartbeat. Oh, it would be terrible. Oh, I'm so glad they didn't. Uh, I think that's probably it. We've <laughs> gone off on the a The most tangent, raucous but... episode of uh, SOS we've done. Just tangents galore. But those were the episodes we here ahead of. I mean, the best part of these short treks, the best part of kind of Discovery in general is that it allows like a new space to just like reflect Riff. on what Star Trek is because you have something new to bounce it off of for yeah. once. Sure? Yeah, finally. This is how you ended up with all your like, um, not... Thi- all your like wishes and he- head fan fiction of how you would link... Uh, Michael, Spock, Sarek, and um, Seilbock together in one grand narrative about the Federation for this century. It's literally right there. It's right there if they want it. They can reach out and grasp it with their own two hands. It's right there. Michael Burnham is older than Spock, so she obviously grew up around Cybok, and he's off doing his whatever now. She could talk about Cybok. That's all I need. Just her to mention that she knows Cybok. Everyone. She can talk to Spock about it and Spock be like, who? I forgot about him. <laughs> and then she just rolls around and goes, fuck's sake, Spock. You're insufferable. You're the worst. You know, I hope you die in a big black hole. He's he's like you. He's got a big fuck off beard that he shouldn't have. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> because oh, we're, going, we're going to fucking cop dad and bearded Spock in next season. I'm very excited. <laughs> Can you imagine being on the Discovery, uh, going to the Mirror Universe, realizing your captain is evil and coming out as like the most uh, fuck the rules Federation crew, and then going like running into the Enterprise, hearing they're the peak of everything, and they're even more cops than the, the like Mirror Universe cop that came over before. Yeah, fucking Christopher Pike shows up to be the principal of your fucking spaceship. <laughs> We are, we've 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 freed ourselves from the like lies that the mirror universe told us we're going to like self determine and be good and equal. And then Christopher Pike comes up and goes, "I think you'll find you will be following the rules from now on." <laughs> yep. Number one is here. Yep. My ship of three hundred white people is here to tell you how you're supposed to act now. Oh, it sure is. Yep. I can't wait for Discovery season two. <laughs> We all have 60s hair, so we look like the fucking Stepford Wives. But here we are. <laughs> it's incredible because we were talking about this with um, uh, with Lorca and how we thought... He didn't have to be from the Mirror Universe because it just lines up too perfectly with every other fucking Federation cop. Yes. Uh, but they, they that twist can't happen here. These characters are too established and known. They're just like this. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, because the, the announcement that there's going to be another episode was uh, Ansem Mount, the guy who plays Pike, revealed this in a thing. He also said he was, like, very close to getting the part of Lorca, and they gave it to yes! uh, Jason Isaacs, and so they brought him back because they liked him so much. They know! They know they're basically the same! <laughs> yes! They're th- the same person. Lorca yeah. getting trapped in a thing with uh, the like big brain alien trying to convince him to stay with a horse. Uh, <laughs> going on a picnic. Lorca also being like, what the fuck is this picnic? God. 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can we remake the cage with Lorca, please? <laughs> Lorca would fucking punch that horse. Lorca would punch that horse. Lorca would have no time for that, like, um women who've been made young trying to convince him to stay no time we're gonna we're gonna fucking flash to a prime Lorca and he's gonna be in the mirror universe but still on Talos 4 <laughs> <laughs> these are the deep cuts we're here for you know just fucking sitting on a blanket with a horse <laughs> oh that's it that's it that's it we're done <laughs> We're done. Jackson, where can people find us? People can find us on the internet. I am at Headfalls Off on Twitter. You can find other podcasts we do at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, there's a bunch of them. You can find a normal mapping there. It's a game club. It's at thebestgame.club. Where else can you find us? If you would like to support us in anything we do, you can go to patreon.com slash normalmapping. Uh, for $1 a month, you will get the Great Gundam Project, where we talk about a different space narrative vision of the future uh once a week two episodes it's really good it's kind of like this honestly normally <laughs> this show is the like tight one and that one's very loose this is the, the roles have been reversed for the for this week yeah um so please enjoy that you can find me on twitter at em underscore being we'll be back in a couple weeks with that sorrow book and those tos episodes that i'm too lazy to look up but you can just go to uh star trek podcast.space and find the list of those if you want to watch our original series watching for next time uh we'll be back with more short treks when the final one's released and we'll be back next month again with the beginning of discovery season two never ends it's been a long road it has been a long road see you uh, on the long road uh <laughs> shut up don't step on my ending uh eat a dick we will see you in the 33rd century uh until then see you out there i love your funny face your sunny funny Wonderful, wonderful, marvelous, marvelous, that you should care for me. Softful nice, softful nice, paradise, paradise, what I love to see.